Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today, we're going to talk about a Nevada judge humiliating the Trump team in court, and we're going to debunk their whole gamut of bogus election fraud claims. I also interview Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman about whether Trump could steal Pennsylvania, the fatal flaw with a last-minute plot by state Republicans to undermine the will of the voters, and how to help Democrats get elected in PA moving forward. I'm Brian Tyler Cohen, and you're listening to No Lie. Another week, another slew of Trump lawsuits that failed to go anywhere. Seriously, not a single lawsuit succeeded in the last week. As of this recording, the Trump team is one for 46 in court. One for 46. On just Friday alone, the Trump team and its allies had lawsuits struck down trying to halt certifications in Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and uh, uh, the big Kraken case in Georgia, which is weird because... I totally thought that claiming Cuba, China, Venezuela, the CIA, the DOJ, Republican governors and secretaries of state, and Hugo Chavez stealing the election from Trump totally had some legs. But I do want to focus on one case in particular, and that is what happened in Nevada. Uh, The source I used for this was Adam Classfield from Law and Crime, who does great work. And that is that in Nevada, a judge shot down Trump's baseless conspiracy theories 25 times in his ruling. 25 times. So let's break these down. First, in response to the claim that the electronic voting machines malfunctioned and that the election results can't be trusted, the judge found that the Trump team, quote, did not prove under any standard of proof that any election officials knowingly committed any misconduct relating to the operation of electronic voting machines. In response to the claim that the machine that counts the ballots malfunctioned, the judge found that the Trump team, quote, did not prove under any standard of proof that Clark County's use of the Agilis machines constitutes malfeasance. In response to the claim that illegal votes were cast and counted or that legal votes weren't counted, the judge wrote that the Trump team, quote, did not prove under any standard of proof that illegal votes were cast and counted that should have been rejected during the signature verification process or legal votes were not counted that should have been accepted during the signature verification process at all. In response to the claim that dead people voted, the judge wrote that the Trump team, quote, did not prove under any standard of proof that any such votes were cast. On the issue of ballots cast after deadlines, the Trump team, quote, did not prove under any standard of proof that any such votes were cast. That there were decoy votes, the Trump team, quote, did not prove under any standard of proof that any such votes were cast. That Nevada election workers acted nefariously by blocking observers from watching ballot processing and counting. The judge wrote that the Trump team, quote, did not prove under any standard of proof that any of Nevada's election officials committed malfeasance. That the Biden campaign was courting Trump electors. The judge wrote that the Trump team did not prove under any standard of proof that defendants, the Biden-Harris campaign, or anyone acting on their behalf gave or offered to give to any person anything of value for the purpose of manipulating or altering the outcome of the election. That the Nevada Native Vote Project, which had been smeared by the Federalist and the Washington Examiner for allegedly operating a corrupt cash-for-vote scheme, on that the judge wrote that the Trump team did not prove under any standard of proof that the Nevada Native Vote Project gave or offered to give any person anything of value for the purpose of manipulating or altering the outcome of the election. 25 times the judge reiterated this point, using the exact same verbiage, that the Trump team, quote, 
did not prove under any standard of proof of what they were alleging, underscoring the fact that despite all of their public shrieking about fraud and malfeasance and rigged elections, they didn't prove any of it. And, and, and this has been the Trump campaign strategy all along, where they perpetuate a slew of baseless conspiracy theories without bothering to offer a shred of evidence. And we really are reaching a critical mass here. So I wanted to basically take this time to bring some of these fraud claims up one by one and explain why they have no basis in reality. This way, when your Republican family members visit you over the holidays and tell you that they read on Facebook that Hugo Chavez put his finger on the scale, you'll know what to say. Like, for instance, that Hugo Chavez died seven years ago. So I'll start off with the newest one, the uh, the quote unquote smoking gun, which is a video in which Republicans are claiming that election workers took out a suitcase of votes from under a table under the cloak of darkness in Fulton County, Georgia, after demanding that poll watchers leave the room. Only it turns out that that wasn't the case, because according to two high level officials with the Georgia Secretary of State's office, including Republican Gabriel Sterling, the top Republican election official, along with a state elections board monitor who conducted investigations, there was nothing suspicious about the video. First off, these weren't suitcases, as Republicans have claimed. They were standard ballot containers, although suitcases definitely sounds more nefarious. Uh, Second, as far as the ballots were concerned, those inside the container had already been removed from their envelopes and processed while election observers for both the GOP and the Trump campaign were present. Removing ballots from the envelopes is an entirely different process. It involves matching signatures, so observers were present for that. And finally, the media and observers didn't leave because they were told to. They left once the opening of envelopes was completed, and, and they were free to return any time, although Georgia law doesn't mandate that they be present for the counting. Francis Watson, the chief investigator for the Georgia Secretary of State, explained, quote, Nobody told them to stay. Nobody told them to leave. Nobody gave them any advice on what they should do. And it was still open for them or the public to come back in to view at whatever time they wanted to, as long as they were still working. Moving on, we have this idea that they weren't doing signature verifications on the ballots, which would mean that they just blindly accepted any ballot that came in. Trump even tweeted at Brian Kemp in Georgia to check signatures. But not only are signatures checked against the voter's registration card when the ballot request comes in, but signatures are checked a second time when the absentee ballot arrives at the county clerk's office. We have the quote-unquote vote dumps that Republicans pretended were tens or hundreds of thousands of ballots that miraculously appeared for Democrats in the dead of night. In reality, when populist jurisdictions report their totals, they do it in batches. And because they're big population centers, those totals are going to be high. Large numbers of votes come from places where there are large numbers of voters. (laughs) Getting a huge dump of votes isn't evidence of fraud. It's evidence of votes literally being counted. It is what an election is. There's the claim on the right that there was 120% turnout in Detroit. Only according to Detroit's own government website, out of the 504,000 registered voters in the city, just over 250,000 voted. That's not so much 120% as it is 49.5%. There's this claim that the same ballots were being run 8 to 10 times. But if they were run 10 times, that would have shown up in the hand recounts or audits. And all of the recounts that took place in... Uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin had results that only validated the original results, meaning that ballots were counted once and they were counted correctly. Oh, here's one of my favorites. Uh, Republicans claim that Dominion Voting Systems voting machines are rigged. And all of this is predicated on the conspiracy theory that Dominion Voting Systems is owned by the company Smartmatic. And because Smartmatic technology was used in Venezuela's uh, disputed elections, 
Republicans are trying to exploit this link and claim that every election in the U.S. that used Dominion was also rigged. Only uh, one small problem, Dominion and Smartmatic are not the same company. They have no link. One does not provide any software or equipment to the other. I don't know what person beyond eight years old needs to hear this, but all voting machine companies are not the same company just because they manufacture similar products. So I think you get it, but the point for the Republicans who surface these claims isn't to prop up any claim based on their quality, it's to prop up claims based on quantity. The point is to flood the zone with as many fraud claims as possible because just having so many claims in the ether in and of itself gives the impression that it's true. It's so that all their supporters can say, uh, well, look at all this evidence of fraud. You mean to tell me that it's all fake? Even though, yes, it is all fake. The optics of a deluge of fraud claims become this self-fulfilling prophecy. We're just presenting so many fraud claims at once becomes the so-called proof itself, right? And this isn't lost on Republicans, which is why they keep doing it. That's why only 25 Republicans in total will acknowledge Biden's win. The rest of them are hell-bent on coddling Trump. And the fact that Trump has raised over $207 million since the election is proof of that. $207 million from having manipulated his supporters into believing that he'll be able to overturn the election results through litigation, where he is currently one for 46. And look, if, if, if those people want to set their money on fire, it's a free country. But the fact that Trump was able to raise that much money in the first place goes to show just how pervasive his lies have become. So look, guaranteed we see more of these lies pop up, but it's up to us to push back against it. It takes a simple 10-second Google search. The onus is on everyone to counter this disinformation because their strategy relies on flooding the zone with lies. So the only solution is to match it with the same intensity. Next up is my interview with Pennsylvania's Lieutenant Governor, John Fetterman. Okay, today we have the Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania, John Fetterman. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, really. So, uh, John, my, my math might be off, but I believe you're coming to us from a state that Donald Trump has lost eight times in the last four weeks so far? Uh, that sounds low, but, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah, no, it, like I, I said the other day that if, if the Trump campaign doesn't stop losing, the Cleveland Browns are going to sue him for trademark <laughs> infringement, you know? I mean, <laughs> like, and I also, it's also funny that the Trump campaign is going to get the first round draft pick instead of the New York <laughs> Jets, you know, because uh, like yeah. they literally have a worse record than the New York Jets right now. So I don't know what their end game is. I, I legit don't. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I'm originally from New Jersey, so I can, I can, that, that Jets thing hits, uh, hits especially uh, close to home. So I can appreciate that. Well, one. I mean, someone has to root for him. So if you do, it's nice to finally meet one after all these years, but. <laughs> oh no, I'm actually a Giants fan. I'm just, I'm just saying I can appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have to ask first to get this out of the way. Is there any plausible way that Trump can win in Pennsylvania? Zero, literally zero way. I'm actually advocating that the Supreme Court take up that one case and then they'll shoot it down unanimously. And then that would put an end to it. The Congressman Kelly case that was rejected again and they want to, again, I want to be clear, they are asking the court to throw out the entire number of ballots and that would wipe out our entire election. In other words, nullify our election. And then they'd want the Republican legislature to uh, appoint their own slate of electors to, to kind of hijack that. But they, they're not savvy enough to understand that if they 
and nullify our results, we don't have a state legislature that's controlled by the Republicans to even do their bidding. So it, it's it, it doesn't there's no logic to it whatsoever. I mean, at all, like their end game obliterates the Republican controlled legislature in our state. And 100 percent right. of our, our House and half of our senators are gone. And then in the Senate, that puts me in charge. I get to pick and choose when the elections are, you know, as, as the president of the Senate. So I'm like, hey, if you want to do that, you know, but I'd much rather just Joe Biden won. There was no fraud. And we just saw me to get on with our lives. So building on this lawsuit specifically, when that Mike, that uh, Representative Mike Kelly brought forward, this is trying to invalidate, like you said, two and a half million ballots. It was eventually dismissed by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Wasn't this law passed by the Republican Party? Oh, yeah. No, the law, the law was championed by the Republican Party in Pennsylvania. It was voted unanimously. All but one state rep voted for it. Every senator voted for it. And this was like one of their signature achievements. Right. So now they wanted to turn around and claim that they uh, are and now they're opposed, damn opposed to it. And it, just because the president is is uh, didn't like right. the results. It's it, it's so disingenuous, literally on every level that the Pennsylvania GOP is suing to have the Pennsylvania GOP signature voting bill overturned that 99.8 percent of them voted for a year ago as unconstitutional after they authored it. So there's, there's, it's, it's utterly illogical. But this was all by design, ultimately. I mean, by virtue of the Republican legislature not allowing early ballot processing to begin until Election Day. 100%. They, they handed Trump the, the optics that he wanted, which is an Election Day lead that, that would then be, a quote unquote, stolen from him. Yeah, I said this, I've said this before. The, the president ordered up Grubhub, you know, chaos, a big order of chaos on Grubhub. You know, and that's what he got. You know, he wanted that optics of, you know, a big red surge of, of in-person because voting in Pennsylvania was as predictive on party as a Democrats driving Subarus and Republicans wearing Under Armour golf shirts. You know, I mean, it's like if you're a Democrat, you mostly chance you voted for vote by mail. And if you're a Republican, you almost same in, in opposite. So they very well knew that you'd have a surge of red votes and with a big lead for the president. And then the blue wave would hit back and then and they would have hit. And then depending on who had more would ultimately prevail. And they would seize on that optics and that chaos. And all they would have had to do is say, it's okay. It's okay. You could open envelopes and flatten ballots 24 hours in advance, 48 hours in advance. And we could have delivered our results in Pennsylvania the same time Florida did. Yeah it's beyond clear that the chaos was the point here. It's not a, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah, that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted to create this idea that, you know, like we were all in the background twisting our mustaches going, <laughs> now we're going to rig this because look, he had this giant lead and then all of a sudden it evaporated. That's exactly the optics that they wanted. They wanted to have chaos because they understood and they believed that they weren't going to do particularly well. And the irony in all of this is, and I think I was the only Democrat to point this out, is that, that it was actually going to be a very close race. And the president actually played Pennsylvania pretty well in terms of his barnstorming and his outreach and whatever, really energized small county Pennsylvania. So when it was as close as it was, I think they were surprised, quite frankly. And then they wanted to really maximize the chaos, like, we was robbed, we was robbed. And when in reality, this is their law that they voted for unanimously. You can look it up online. 
far more Republicans voted for this vote by mail bill than Democrats did. Virtually every Republican Allegheny County and in Philadelphia voted against it. You can look it up. So, and then when they wouldn't allow any pre-canvassing, not even a 24-hour window, they knew exactly what they were getting, and that's exactly what they wanted. How do Republicans justify telling voters after they voted that, you know, on second thought, those ballots shouldn't be counted at all, even though two and a half million Pennsylvanians cast ballots having been told it was acceptable? I don't know. It's It, it blows my mind. And it's like, I guess they just count on if the, the president and Giuliani brings the whole snake handling jamboree to all these ramadas and, and they go like, it's, <laughs> it was fine. I got all proof, whatever. That that's somehow going to carry the day. And obviously it isn't because their, their record in court is worse than the New York Jets. Uh, yeah. I just, I've never seen a group or an organization that seems to relish losing to the, the degree and severity they seem to, because like these, these, these suits aren't dismissed. They're ridiculed. I mean, they're like booted out of court. Uh, and I, I don't understand it. And then, and then also there was this movement by a small group of legislators saying, well, we're going to call up a resolution or whatever. I'm like, I'm like, great, dude. I could have a resolution where uh, I could, I could want to rename our bird from the rough grouse to a ham sandwich. So I just don't understand it. There's, there's no legitimacy to it whatsoever. Was that state Senator Doug Mastriano? Yes. Yes. That's Doug Mastriano, who's a colleague of mine in the Senate, but even, you know, he knows better than anybody that that was just empty symbolism, that that was like the leadership wouldn't even call uh, call a session for it. It was just to get himself. Like, if you look at his Twitter numbers, he went from 6,500 Twitter followers to like 180,000 Twitter followers because That's what it's all about. it created this, yeah, it created this, you know, like what a great American when like, no, he's lying to you. And he, and no one knows that better than he does that he's being disingenuous. He knew that there was no chance that that was going anywhere. And it's one thing to say, well, I think Donald Trump should have won. That's fine. But to pretend that somehow you are going to introduce a, a, a resolution when our legislative session is over and that you have less than a third of the Republicans on board and the leadership yeah. hasn't even scheduled a session. I, I mean, like other than lying, I don't know what else to call it. So the question becomes, like in Pennsylvania, do you think there's going to be pushback against the Republicans who did this or – is that just what the GOP has become and this was baked into the cake already? I mean, I, I think it's it's what it's become in, in, in many respects. And and yeah. let me be clear, I I admire or at least appreciate the way Republican leadership in like the House and Senate has behaved during this election. I, I gotta I, I gotta give them to some degree of credit. Because they have to pander. I mean, it's a reality, you know, you have to pander to the to the snake handling and the crazy wing of their party because they're very vocal and they're very active. But they know better than anybody, too, that this was a free, fair election and that Joe Biden won. So they have to kind of walk that line between, like, this is nonsense and this is absurd versus, you know, like putting out a resolution like like my colleague about how we, we need to appoint our own slate of electors. So so they, they walk that line and they never they never cater to that lunatic fringe part of the party that's calling for the the legislature to appoint their own set of electors. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about this because it's the biggest story of the week. So could you give me your thoughts on the CIA, the DOJ, Republican governors and secretaries of state 
China, Cuba, Venezuela, and Hugo Chavez, who died in 2013, conspiring to steal the election from Trump? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a, I feel like that could have legs, you know, <laughs> I, I really do. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I got to say, they're really on to something, you know, <laughs> I, uh, no, it's just, I just wish you, and this is what I try to, to do in my own social media on my Twitter is just try to communicate how ridiculous it is. Like, like uh, this morning, there was a clip of uh, on Hannity where Sean Hannity's going, well, well yeah, they, you know, we got Georgia, we have Nevada, that falls. And then we, how we can do Pennsylvania. And, and Giuliani's like, yeah, we, uh, it's great. I mean, and then I put the clip from Airplane where Lloyd Bridges is like sniffing glue. I mean, like, I mean, like, I don't know how else to <laughs> yeah. point out how absurd it is then yeah. this idea that they're, they're, they're actively lying. I mean, this isn't, these are not individuals that believe what they're saying. And that's what just, in my estimation, makes it that much more reckless and insidious is that they're deliberately manufacturing misinformation. They know that it's going to have a divisive and harmful and caustic effect on our franchise here in this country. And they, they continue to pump it out, you know, and they are indifferent to the damage that they're causing because nobody knows better than they do that it's all bullshit. And, and by the way, what they, what they have been able to accomplish throughout all of this is that when we see these fundraising numbers from, from yeah. you know, upwards of $200 million, well, then suddenly it makes sense, you know? And, and I, I, I've been saying this from the get-go. The, the president is going to run for another term. I, I guarantee you. It's just a matter of time before he announces he's running on 24. Uh, and I'm sure he'll do whatever it, he can to mar or or diminish you know joe biden's inauguration day with some major announcement or something i don't know i mean you know he is very much still the owner of one of the biggest microphones in the world yeah. he's not going to walk away from that and he's going to use that to extract rec- uh, retribution on on brave i gotta say brave members of the gop that like in arizona or in elsewhere they're like no this was a fair election you know, just in my state of Pennsylvania, Al Schmidt, the commissioner in Philadelphia, he could have been national Republican hero of the month right. if he was willing to play that game. Instead, he said, no, this is fair. This is free. And they had to assign him security because he was having death threats. So, I mean, it, you think of the character it takes to pick, well, I could get 200,000 new Twitter followers or I could get death threats. I mean, like yeah. to, to, to conscientiously choose that. I think that really speaks to someone's character. Totally. I mean, you have, you know, guys like Gabriel Sterling, like uh, Raffensperger in Georgia. And, yep. and then you have the, uh, the Mastrianos in the world who, uh, you know, hope he enjoys his, his 100,000 more Twitter followers. And, uh, yeah. and that's the difference, you know. They're literally, they're monetizing their character in terms of Twitter followers for their yeah. own political gain. Because I want to be clear, there is no scenario or no set of of facts or allegations that anyone could reasonably base the thought that anyone other than Joe Biden won this race. They, they know that they know that better than anybody. It, what they are trying to do is turn these bizarre anecdotes and my cousin's brother's girlfriend read on Facebook, you know, I signed, you know, like I could, I would literally sit here with a thumb drive and say, you know what? Uh, someone sent this to me they found it in a waffle house bathroom stall in austin texas and it's it's got a million votes for joe biden so we have grounds to you know overturn texas now i mean it's like it's 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 that absurd yeah 
Well, I, I do want to do a bit of an autopsy on the November 3rd election. And I know every state is different, but in a state like Pennsylvania, where the GOP still has a majority in the state legislature, what needs to be done to win over these voters? Yeah, well, what we need to do is we have to ungerrymander our state and house, I mean, our, our house and Senate districts in the PA legislature. And, and we would get a more true but but just like we did with our congressional races, we went for our district. We went from thirteen and five to nine and nine after we we ungerrymandered them, which is exactly where we should be. Pennsylvania is a very purple state. I, I don't care. You know, conventional wisdom was, oh, it's a blue state now. I'm like, no, it, it never was. You know, so uh, we're very purple. So if we ungerrymandered that, I think we would get a much more honest take on where we are as a state. And what we need to do going forward with all of this is, you know, you can't bring someone into the fold if they are unwilling to acknowledge basic facts. Like you and I wouldn't be arguing over one plus one equals three. You know, like the way Twitter labels things where it's like it's in dispute. I'm like, no, it's not a dispute. I'm wearing a black shirt is a fact. It's not. Well, it's in dispute. So this idea that that you can take a fact that we all have to acknowledge is true and then somehow both sides it is it's dangerous and that's where we are on our social media platform where the president gets away with saying something that he knows is a lie and then they they have to slap the it's in dispute I'm like no the dude's lying yeah well, so what issues do we need to focus on in a state that looks like Pennsylvania, for example? I know that you specifically have been vocal about legalizing marijuana, which personally uh, I think should be one of the top three issues that we're talking about every day because it's an issue that offers rare instant gratification. Totally. That's, that's absolutely one of them. But I think even more important than that is our minimum wage. It's a disgrace. You know, our minimum wage in Pennsylvania is the federal minimum wage is seven twenty-five an hour. Yeah. And, and, and that's a it's a fucking disgrace. And Florida, for example, voted for a $15 an hour minimum wage. And if if you're to the right or you're behind Florida on anything, that should be yeah. a wake up call. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you brought up weed. So let's let's look at who we are to the right of. We're to the right of South Dakota. We're to the right of Arizona. We're to the right of Montana. You know, in Arizona now, you can grow 12 weed plants in your home up to 12. In Pennsylvania, your ass is going to jail for at least two years, and you're a convicted felon if you do that. What's wrong with us as a state? Yeah. And, and, and another thing is, is, is investing in our infrastructures. We have such an unmet need for a lot of these, and the, the, the revenue that we could generate is, is astounding with, with, with marijuana. Yeah. And then also our state inmate population. We have more lifers in our jail cells in our Pens- in, in Pennsylvania than everyone except Florida. And our secretary of corrections had said that we were in a conference together on a panel. He said, we could, we could release a third of our inmates and not make anyone less safe. And that would translate yeah. into at least a billion dollars a year in savings that we could reinvest in our education and in our infrastructures in our, you name it. Because right now we're investing it in warehousing people that's not making anybody any safer. And that's actually having a very damaging effect on the, the, the families and the communities that a lot of these people that don't even belong in prison uh, come from. So how, how do we get something like this onto the ballot in a state like Pennsylvania? Well, it, it's going to require to keep pushing because these, these ideas 
are are truths. They're not my opinions. They're they're truths. And the truth of the matter is, you can't even pay for food for a family of four for a month, uh, uh, seven twenty five an hour. You know, yeah. the truth is, you um, we have a, a thriving weed market in in Pennsylvania already. It's just a black market and. The cartels and the dealers are getting all the money instead of we are, yeah. you know, why not monetize it? Why not legalize it? Why not, you know, make it, make it a just uh, transaction and a safe and a pure transaction. And then, and then finally, um, the, our inmate population, our numbers are staggering, are staggering. We have a, we have a figure where, uh, where the, that houses the infirm and the elderly, uh, Half those half those inmates are testing positive for COVID. Why are we warehousing yeah. people that need a walker to even get around? What kind of crime can they commit? Like, why can't that be bipartisan? Like, why are we even arguing about these these truths? They're they're just truths. And you know, if you're all good with buying a, a bottle of Jack Daniels and a carton of cigarettes and going to gamble your life savings away at one of the state casinos. Why, why is sipping a little weed somehow make you a criminal? Like, yeah, I don't know why we, we argue about them. I really don't. These are like self-evident truths. So in, in a state like PA, I mean, is it possible to get this on, on a ballot as a referendum? Unfortunately, the uh, ballot referendums like that are, are not uh, permitted under our constitution. I went around to all 67 counties in Pennsylvania and I said, you know, 18 months ago that, at least 65, no more than 70, somewhere in that mid to upper 60s range of our residents want legal weed. And it turns out that's exactly where it was. And at, at first, the GOP was like, oh, he's lying. Oh, he's, he's cooking the numbers. And now they, they've stopped saying that because everybody knows it's true. Yeah. You know, I said this during the election. Whichever can, campaign or candidate embraces legal weed, that's the one that's going to win. If Donald Trump would have said, you know what, in September, we're going to legalize weed at a federal level and we're going to push for pardons and whatever. I guarantee he would have won because you look how close the race was. You're telling me that a couple hundred thousand votes spread across a few states that wouldn't have energized people that wouldn't have electrified uh, a a lot. And I think it would have been been critical. And and, uh, we just need to acknowledge the truths uh, and, and stop turning them into arguments between Republicans and Democrats. We'll always have things that we can argue about, but for this country to heal and move together, I'm hoping we can put a lot of these in a basket of things where we really don't need to argue about, and we just really need to figure out how we get it done. Yeah, that's well said. Well, uh, I do have one last question, and that is um, you've you've talked a lot of trash on Wawa, um, but my question is, yeah, well, no, 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 no. Let, let's talk about the truth again. You know, like, like I, I'm about like talking truth here. So, so Wawa is a great option if you're 50 miles or more from a sheets and then, <laughs> and then you have no excuse. If you're, if, well, my, my, my question, John is, is have you ever even had a Wawa brand orange drink with, with all of its, uh, 775 grams of sugar at three o'clock in the morning? <laughs> oh, oh, the orange drink. You know, I, I've had the Sizzlies. I've had their coffee, and, and again, it's yeah. it's great. But if if you're not willing to drive 50 miles for that sheets, then I, I have to question your judgment. You know, like and but uh, but there are places in Pennsylvania where you're like, 
it's just not practical to get to a sheet. So you're going to choose Wawa. And I just want you to know that's okay. But I also call Wawa fans are there are Pennsylvania residents that were unlucky enough to never have been to a sheets yet. So there's always time for growth. And that's what I hope. And I also want to remind folks too, that um, the Steelers are 11 and and O and uh, the Eagles aren't. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I mean, I I don't, I mean, even as a giants fan, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think I have any ground to stand on if I'm going to be defending the NFC East today. Yeah. Well, no one would ever accuse the NFC East of of being like, you know, where, you know, 2020, I don't think anyone's had a great uh, 2020, but at least the Steelers are undefeated. So at that point, um, that's a, that's a source of pride. And uh, I also think it's important that we tell the truth. You know, there are people that are, they'll, oh, I'm rooting for the, the Steelers and the Eagles if they're, you know, statewide official. And I'm like, no, it's the Steelers and it's Sheets and it's Yins, not Youth. <laughs> and let the chips fall where they may here in Pennsylvania. All right. Well, John, thanks so much for, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Now, hey, thanks for having me on. Really, truly big fan. Thanks again to John Fetterman. That's it for this episode. Talk to you next week. You've been listening to No Lie with Brian Tyler Cohen, produced by Sam Graber, music by Wellesley, interviews captured and edited for YouTube and Facebook by Nicholas Nicotera, and recorded in Los Angeles, California. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your preferred podcast app. Feel free to leave a five-star rating and a review, and check out briantylercohen.com for links to all of my other channels. 